All right, we are back for week four of the Moneyline podcast, and yeah, last week was a rough week. I'm just going to get the elephant in the room out right now. Um, clearly not my best week, um, and I, anytime you gamble, uh, you're going to have a few bad weeks. Uh, in my time, I've had, you know, I've had a few weeks where I've gone one and four. I, I bet five games a week, usually in the NFL, and I... Um, yeah, I'll bet five games a week, and usually, I'll, you know, I might bet an over here or there or do something like that that I don't mention on the podcast, but just at almost everything I bet, whether I put it on a podcast or I didn't, just wasn't hitting last week, wasn't my week. There were a couple times where, you know, I thought I got screwed by a call like in that Rams-Bills game, but I, I just seemed to be on the wrong side of everything last week, but it's called gambling for a reason. You're not going to win every bet you make or every week, but we're back this week. I feel supremely confident in my picks this week. I think I got it down. We're looking for a 5-0 and week to make up last week's 0-5 week, but you know, I won, you know, won some, won quite a bit of money the first, uh, first two weeks of the year, lost some money last week. We're ready to make that back up this week, five and a week upcoming. Here are my picks. All right. My first pick of the week, I got Chicago plus two and a half against Indianapolis. They're at home. Now, last week I said, stay away from Chicago and Atlanta. You don't know what's going to happen this week. I'm saying bet Chicago. Why? Nick Foles is in at quarterback. This is what Chicago should have been doing all year long. Mitch Trubisky is an awful NFL quarterback. Nick Foles should have always been the starter. Uh, Trubisky was only the starter because Ryan Pace, the GM, had drafted him, didn't want to look too bad. So Trubisky started the first few games. Soon as Foles comes in, that offense slid up, and the Bears had a comeback win on Atlanta, which everybody's doing now. But the Bears' offense looked good for really the first time this year. Now, Nick Foles at QB, that means the Bears have a solid offense. They have Allen Robinson, a very good receiver. I think Anthony Miller, a former third-round pick of Chicago, I think he's actually really, really good. But with Trubisky, you have not gotten a chance to see his talent. We know Tariq Cohen's a, a matchup problem out of the backfield. And I think David Montgomery's a pretty solid running back when Mitch Trubisky is not out there playing QB and he can catch passes out of the backfield. I think Foles lights a fire in that Chicago offense. Also underrated, Chicago's offensive line. Chicago can block up front. Trubisky was holding that offense back. Matt Nagy's a creative play caller. Also on the other side of the ball, Phillip Rivers and the Indianapolis Colts. Rivers does great when he has no pressure. He's only had pressure on him 16 times this week in three games. For reference, he saw pressure 14 times per game last week with the, or last year with the Chargers. This week against the Bears with Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks up front, Phillip Rivers will see pressure. I know the Colts' offensive line is good, but Khalil Mack is probably the best edge rusher in the NFL. Akeem Hicks, one of the best defensive tackles in the NFL, or uh, three te- or he's a three or five technique defensive lineman. He's going to be lining up over the guard. He creates a lot of problems in there. Philip Rivers is going to see pressure, and Jonathan Taylor, the running back, is not going to have those gaping holes to run through that he's had the last couple of weeks, especially last week when he was uh, going against the Jets. Also, Rivers is mistake-prone, po- mistake particularly when under pressure. He hasn't made as many mistakes this year because he hasn't been under pressure. So Rivers is mistake-prone, doesn't give you the big plays he used to with you know the lack of arm strength and lack of athleticism. Nick Foles does give Chicago big play possibilities. And I think with Phillip Rivers and his lack of mobility, 
and you, and you see it sometimes. They bring Jacoby Brissett in in short yardage situations. It's kind of a change of pace quarterback. Chicago's going to finish the struggle. Uh, they're going to struggle to finish drives in the red zone. I think they're going to get into the red area, come away with field goals instead of touchdowns. I think the Bears will do a much better job in the red zone. I like the Bears in a mini upset here. I think they're going to win and cover against the Colts, 24 to 20. A little bit of a low scoring game. It's going to be grind. They're going to grind it out. The Colts play at a slow pace and they have a pretty good defense. The Bears, I think they just have more. Big play threats. I think I'm getting a more talented roster here. Uh, I like the Bears 24-20 over Indianapolis. All right, my second bet of the week, I like the Arizona Cardinals minus three at Carolina. Now, I know the Panthers won last week, but they still lack talent on defense. I thought last week's game was more of an indictment on the Chargers and Anthony Lynn and maybe a little bit of Justin Herbert rather than a referendum on, you know, maybe Carolina being an underrated team. And offensively, they are without Christian McCaffrey, their best player. So I think the Panthers are very limited as far as what they can do offensively with Mike Davis in the backfield and Teddy Bridgewater, a quarterback. They have some nice weapons with, you know, DJ Moore, but that's really about it. Um, and after last week, I know Arizona lost to Detroit, but Detroit, even last year, you know, you look at Kyler Murray's first game, Detroit and Matt Patricia, for whatever reason, they give, um, they give Arizona problems. They give Kyler Murray problems. Um, I think Arizona's due for a bounce back week after a down week against Detroit. Um, I think Arizona's going to score a lot of points. You know, Kyler's a really, really good young quarterback. They have DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk, Andy Isabella has really stepped up this year for the Cardinals. Um, Cardinals have a lot of firepower on offense. I don't think Carolina can keep up with what they do. I just simply don't think Teddy Bridgewater and co are going to be able to score with Kyler Murray and the Arizona offense. Cardinals have a much more talented roster. You look at their defense. They have, you know, they have Chandler Jones. They have Isaiah Simmons. They have, um, Buda Baker. They have Hassan Reddick. Just a lot of really, really good players. Patrick Peterson, guys that are coming into their own. Who do the, um, who does Carolina have defensively that's really, really good? Um, I just don't see the upper-end talent on that roster. Um, I like the Cardinals here. They're going to cruise 31-20, to win an easy cover at Carolina. So now moving on to my third game of the week. I like the Baltimore Ravens, minus 14 at the Washington football team. Now, I know we watched the Ravens, you know, kind of get embarrassed a little bit on Monday night against the Chiefs. But Baltimore, they're two things. They're talented and pissed after that Monday Night Football embarrassment. And Dwayne Haskins, if you notice in that Baltimore-Kansas City game, the Ravens were able to get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. Both Mahomes, his talent, his elusiveness was just able to make plays over and over again. Dwayne Haskins does not that have he does not have that kind of athleticism. He's not that kind of a playmaker. He's not going to escape the pressure the way Mahomes did or make plays in the face of a defense the way Patrick Mahomes did. I think Dwayne Haskins is going to be a sitting duck back there against Baltimore, you know, behind that offensive line. And uh, last year, Baltimore, they beat eight teams last year by 14 points or more. And their first two games this year, they did it again tw uh, 10 times in the last 18 regular season games. The Baltimore Ravens have beaten their opponent by 14 points or more. What does this tell me? They really beat up on the bad teams. They don't. They don't, uh, they don't play to the level of their competition. The Ravens are who they are. They are a very good, talented team. They're going to play that way against Washington. And if there's one thing we've seen in 2020, great teams are going to kill the terrible teams. This game is no different. I mean, we saw it last week with the Colts and the Jets. We've seen it with the Giants in two of the three games they have played this year. The teams that are really, really bad are getting the pants by the teams that are really, really good. This game is no different. Ravens roll 41-14, easily covering 14 points. 
now my fourth game of the week. Probably my favorite game of the week. Um, I like the Rams minus 13.5 against the Giants at home. Now, usually I don't like taking big favorites, but obviously 2020 is different. We've seen the big favorites roll this year. The Giants, along with the Jets, probably the worst team in football this year. Have a hard time deciding which one is worse. Both are really, really bad. Um, yeah, the Giants are terrible. Like the Ravens. The Rams are pissed uh, after last week's loss. The Rams, and they should be pissed. They got robbed on that pass interference call in the fourth quarter. Um, that shouldn't have been called. Rams should be sitting at 3-0 and right now. Instead, they're 2-1 and and a game back of the Seattle Seahawks in the division. That could matter later in the year. Rams are going to be pissed. Uh, back on the Giants. The Giants... Giants are terrible offensively. Uh, they're not going to score, and they're even worse defensively. They're not going to stop anybody. The Giants are just a really, really bad team. This game is not going to feel close. The Rams are going to be pissed. They're going to jump on them early. I'm not sure the Giants can go down to go down to score. Uh, Daniel Jones, the team, the quarterback, he's a team's leading rusher this year. I feel a little bad for him because he is. He just has no help around him. Now that Saquon's out for the year, the receivers are average as best. He has no running game. Evan Ingram's a shell of himself at tight end. The defense is atrocious. Jason Garrett's calling the plays over there in New York, and he doesn't know what he's doing, clearly. Is Joe Judge just a one-and-done head coach? Uh, you know, that's yet to be seen. But, I mean, the Rams, Sean McVay, they're pissed this week. I think they come out. They easily beat the Giants 38-17 and get the cover. All right, my last game of the week. I like the Buffalo Bills minus three at the Las Vegas Raiders. Now, what we're learning in 2020 is that home field does not matter, especially without the fans. I mean, you're just seeing it. Road teams going in easily. I mean, you saw it last week on Sunday Night Football where Aaron Rodgers used his his hard count at the Superdome to draw the Saints off sides. Um, home field does not matter. So the three points here, I think the Bills are more than three points better than the Las Vegas Raiders. Why is that? Well, even when healthy, I think they are. But the Raiders, they got exposed as a bad team last week against New England. You saw it. They looked bad. They looked outcoached. They had that big win against New Orleans on Monday night. But now we're learning maybe New Orleans is not as good as we thought. The Bills are a far more talented team than the Patriots, who made the Bills or who made the Raiders look really, really bad last week. And the Raiders, they have a lot of injuries. Trent Brown is doubtful. Henry Ruggs is doubtful. Damon Arnett, doubtful, but he's not playing. Brian Edwards already said he's not going to play. That's four key, key players for the Raiders. What weapons are going to have at receiver now? I don't know. They lost their best offensive lineman. Their best corner, Damon Arnett, he's out. I mean, the Raiders, their defensive line, they don't. their pass rush is non-existent. They don't get pressure on the QB. Um, and without Damon Arnett, who is already probably a, a below-average cornerback, especially a below-average starting cornerback, um, the Raiders aren't covering the Bills receivers in this game, and they're not going to get pressure on Josh Allen. And without Henry Ruggs, without Brian Edwards, what weapons besides Darren Waller does um, Derek Carr have to work with? Does John Gruden have to work with in the Raiders' passing game? The Bills' defensive line is in their front seven, really, really good. They're going to be able to slow down Josh Jacobs, similar to what the Patriots did. I like the Bills to win easily in Vegas, 37-20. to 20. Uh, minus three is too low of a number. I like Buffalo minus three at Las Vegas, 37 to 20. Like I said, we are going five and O this week in the NFL. All right. After watching a week college football, I cannot keep my degenerate self away from betting more college football games. So here are my college football, big three, three games. I love this weekend. First one, Alabama minus 17 and a half against the Texas A&M Aggies. No, my family has a soft spot for the Aggies, but they are going to get rolled this week. Why? Well, Bama rolled last week. Saban has his team ready to go. And 
Texas A&M, they struggled to put points on the board against Vanderbilt, only winning by a score of 14-12. to Kellen Mond, clearly not the guy at quarterback for Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies. I actually am a big believer in Jimbo Fisher. I think the Aggies have the right coach. I just think Kellen Mond is the absolute wrong quarterback. Um, if you don't believe me on Jimbo Fisher, look at what Florida State is now. They are a dumpster fire. But... Against Nick Saban in Alabama, you look at the Crimson Tide on that offense. Najee Harris at running back, future first-round pick. Uh, Devontae Smith, wide receiver, future first-round pick. Jalen Waddle, receiver, another future first-round pick, and I think the best wide receiver in the country. And don't sleep on the quarterback, Mac Jones. Um, the way he looked last week, he might even be a future first-rounder. He looked really, really good. And their backup QB is Bryce Young, the number one quarterback in the country from last year. He's expected to be a great, great player. Alabama just loaded with talent on offense, and they got Dylan Moses, who would have been their best defensive player last year. Dylan Moses is back at middle linebacker for the Crimson Tide. I, the way things looked last week, Alabama was rolling. Texas A&M could barely get by Vanderbilt, who lives at the bottom of the SEC. I think the Tide roll, 45-14, to not going to be a good day to be an Aggie. All right, part two of my big three here. This is my upset of the week. I like the Ole Miss Rebels plus seven at the Kentucky Wildcats. Simply put, Kentucky cannot throw the football. If you watched them last week against Auburn, no aerial attack. It's all on the ground. They are going to put up some points against Ole Miss because Ole Miss's defense, especially up front, they are very small. But no explosion in that Kentucky attack. Also, Ole Miss can score on anyone. Ask Florida. They put up almost 40 points on the Florida Gators last week. Matt Corral, their quarterback, he's a sophomore. He can really, really play. They have John Reese Plumley, who's kind of a change of pace QB. They use him at receiver. Very, very athletic. Ole Miss has really good receivers. Why is Ole Miss playing at a high level offensively? Lane Kiffin, he's one of the best offensive minds in the country. One of the best in football, period. Uh, wouldn't be surprised if he's coaching in the NFL at some point again. Maybe even not as a head coach. Maybe as an offensive coordinator. But that man knows offense. He got Nick Saban to change his ways over at Alabama. Um, Kentucky doesn't have the offensive firepower. I mean, you saw Ole Miss last week. If you watched them play, they're able to hit big plays down the field against the Florida Gators defense. A Florida Gator defense that's far more talented than Kentucky is. Um, I think Ole Miss, offensively, I think they have really, really good players. I think they have one of the best play callers in America. I just don't think Kentucky has the offense to keep up with it. I think it's a high-scoring game by, like the Rebels, in the upset 41-30 to over the Kentucky Wildcats. All right, my last game of the week. I'm falling for it again, but I'm taking the Texas Longhorns minus 10 against the TCU Horned Frogs. Um, I will admit I'm a bit of a Texas homer. Uh, Vince Young stole my heart when I was young, but I believe the Longhorns won't make the same mistake twice. I thought they really played down to the level of Texas Tech a week ago. They got lucky to come away from there with a win in overtime. If you watch the game, it was a crazy comeback. I don't think the Longhorns will make the same mistake twice. Also, in the NFL, I said home, home field does not matter. I think in college, it definitely does. I think... You know, with college kids, they're just more comfortable playing at home as opposed to on the road. I think Texas struggled a little bit with that last week. But I think right now, Sam Ellinger and that offense have supreme confidence after their comeback against Texas Tech. I think they're on cloud nine right now. I think they're going to come out playing at a really high level uh, Saturday mornings. Games at 11 a.m. against TCU. Also, Longhorn special teams could not possibly play any worse than they did last week. Uh, allowing an onside kick. Um, muff. Uh, what they do? They muffed a punt. They fumbled a punt that was allowed in for a touchdown. I don't. I don't foresee 
UT special teams playing any worse than they did a week ago. I don't think TCU is capable of scoring with the Texas Longhorns. I think Sam Ellinger, Keontae Ingram, um, Tariq Black and Co., I think they are just going to be able to put up points. I think the Longhorns win and cover 48-28 Hook'em. And that's it this week for the Moneyline Podcast. Not going to guarantee all these bets, but I feel really, really good about my picks this week. We're going to recover from last week's losing week. Um, follow me on Twitter at G underscore Myers 33. Give out some picks on there just in the middle of the week that I don't get the opportunity to put out on here. One thing I did uh, this week, I did a political prop bet. If you listen to the Right on Sports podcast, I gave those um I gave the uh, presidential debate prop bets. Actually hit two out of three on those. It made me interested to watch the debate for the first 26 minutes, but then all three of those bets hit, so I lost interest after that. But if you want more things like that, make politics a little more interesting to watch, I give out those on there. And then just some other NFL stuff, some college stuff that I don't quite do on here. One tip I'll give, I think I'm re- as I'm recording this, I'm watching Game 2 of the NBA Finals. Um, I think I had Heat and 6 at the start, but I think now that Bam Adebayo's hurt and that Goran Dragic is hurt, I do think the Lakers, I think they're just going to go and sweep the Heat. Remember, these teams have been in the bubble for a very long time now. I don't think LeBron and the Lakers are going to have an off game. I think they want to get out of the bubble and go home. Um, So I think the Lakers make quick work of Miami now, given the injuries. Uh, I have bet the Lakers uh, minus 9.5 tonight. Um, Right now they're up 18 with 545 left in the third quarter. So that's looking pretty good. But I give out picks like that on my Twitter, at G underscore Myers 33, on Instagram, I'm at Gabe underscore Myers 33 as well. And then follow us on at Ride On on Instagram at Ride On underscore sports. And our Facebook page, Ride On Sports, where I post all the podcasts there. Follow us there. Start a dialogue with us. We'd love to talk to y'all. But this is it. I'm Gabe Myers. This has been the Moneyline Podcast. Let's put some money in your pocket this week. We'll see ya. Sayonara.